0: Something getting
1: really curious about this broadcast. Welcome to episode five of the garbage pod for the eighth of march, twenty twelve. I'm not alone on the show tonight. Through the wonders of technology, I should have Adri Bullhawk Mallows on the line from Deepest, Darkest, Buckinghamshire. How the devil are you, sir? I'm very good, thank you very much, matey. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Had a few problems, but I think we're there. We're just about there. Now, it's been very busy for you over the last few months that we last spoke, because you've started up the uh, the blog, The Lowdown. Yes, I have indeed. So, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about that?
2: Um, Yeah, certainly. It's kind of... um... Everyone has to start somewhere with uh, getting into the NFL. So I'm just kind of trying to give everyone um, a fun take on sort of what happens every week. So um, during the season, um, I upload a blog um, every week with a few pictures and sort of a brief description of all that week's action. um, A few links to my uh, favourite sites um, like NFL.com, NFLUK.com. And one of my uh, favourite NFL presenters, Dave Damaschek, um, also does a uh, podcast every week. Um, which we send a link to as well um, brilliant show, very funny man does it with Adam Rank um, and as I say it's just really to give everyone a fun take on my beloved sport that is the NFL and where do they get hold of the lowdown um, by going to uh, dot 2blogspotcom
1: ok and oh, what else has been happening for you you were over in the States for New Year wasn't you
2: Uh, I was indeed. uh, I needed to get away. You know how things get when you just kind of things get on top of you. Um, But I pre-booked to go away to New York seven days. Um, So I had Christmas with the family over here, which was really nice. Um, And then flew out on the 28th um, to New York, went on my own. Um, So it was always going to be a great experience. Um, Going back to a city I've been to before, um, absolutely adore the place. You can do whatever you want, wherever you want. If you want to go and chill by the river, you can go and do that. Um, Not necessarily recommended in the height of winter because it does get a little bit nippy, as I found out down by the Hudson. uh... So, down that neck of the woods, it is damn cold. Shall I tell you about some uh, fantastic Irish pubs that I found in New York?
1: There'd be a lot of those in New York.
2: Yeah, it's funny. It's like um, talking to a few people that I know that have been to uh, New York, in particular, obviously around Times Square, big, obviously, tourist area. And everyone's like, oh, did you go to this Irish bar? like, well, I went to about four of them. Where was the one you were on? Oh, this was on 35th Street. Oh ah, yeah, well, I went to one on, <laughs> like 42nd, 50th, 48th. <laughs> Found quite a few. All right. Um, I kind of did, yeah, it was um, a bit of a... You know how when you're walking around, because um, I've been there before, um, I did quite a lot of wandering um, this time around, rather than sort of being like, oh got to hit the touristy spots and spend this much time at this place go here go there well you've done that you (laughs) You did that last time (laughs) yeah exactly so i kind of knew what i wanted to see again like i wanted to go up to the top of the rockefeller center at night time because it just new york looks just looks so much different so much more beautiful at night time and um so aside from that i kind of was free to just sort of do my own thing and um, then when i was walking around i found uh one irish pub um I think I was trying to think of what it was called Um I found it, it was up near sort of 50th Street just sort of the other side of like the tourist center Um near a Mars 2012 if anyone's an Arnie fan they can actually go to New York and go to Mars uh, <laughs> which we did when we were out there it quite funny um, but yeah it was a um, it was called, um, it's called Emma O'Lani's it's called at 50th Street <laughs> just off uh, Times Square oh, and um, then yeah exactly. Um <laughs> you say that I also found another one. Um it's called Celtic Pub which is a little bit further down near Times Square. Mm-hmm. Um and that was a proper proper Irish Irish pub like the, they had Irish Irish immigrant barman that moved out there 25 years ago. Oh right. They've been working there ever since. Like love their football, big Liverpool fans. Really. <laughs> I'm a Liverpool fan. Didn't see that coming. Talking
1: about <laughs> And I found it really funny when I was uh, down in Costa Brava. Yeah, I found a bar down there called Geordie's Bar. Nice. So I thought oh, I had my Newcastle shirt on. I thought oh, I'll go in there, might get treated like royalty. You know how it is. Funnily yeah. enough, I did, and I got talking to the guy who owns the place. Now, I saw all these pictures of Geordie legends all over the walls yeah thinking that his wife might be from newcastle or something you know yeah as it turns out the guy's name is geordie and geordie is spanish for george oh yeah (laughs) so it's george's bar but he got loads of these geordies coming in thinking it was a geordie pub and it's spelt the
2: same so it's spelled G-E-O-R, yeah? yeah that Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. rather than Geordie as in J-O-R-D-I, which is how his name might have been spelled
1: Yeah. Okay. And um, he had all these Geordies coming in the pub, and he thought, hang on, I'm making a lot of money out of these guys, so I'm just going to go along with it and stick up their posters and whatnot on the wall. Good, <laughs> <a> smart lad. <laughs> Oh, dear. I'll tell you another funny one. It's not a pub, but um, I went to an exhibition at the NEC. Yeah. And we went along to a place up there called Shirley. And um, they have got a curry house. And no kidding you, this curry house is called the Shirley Temple.
2: Really? That's mental, so it's in Shirley and it's called the Shirley Temple. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, not it's not a curry house, it's a Balti because you are
1: in Birmingham, so it's where the Balti was invented. Really? Yeah, it doesn't come from Asia at all. It's where all the, the Asians came over to uh, the UK and they wanted to give it their own flavour, uh, a UK flavour, but also with some of the, their roots Included into the meal, and they invented this um, curry called the bolty, and it comes from Birmingham. You will not get a Balti in India. Oh, okay. Learn something new every day. (laughs) That's like the chicken tikka. That comes, I believe, and somebody probably might correct me on this, from Glasgow. Glasgow. Yeah. They love the curry up in, 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 in Scotland I'm surprised it's not deep fried though <laughs> How would you deep fry a curry? <laughs> it's only one way to find out no.
2: <laughs> Yeah that's your mission before next time we speak <laughs> Deep fry a curry and send me pictures <laughs>
1: I believe this is going to get messy
2: I think it might do. You might have to clear that one with the other half first.
1: <laughs> I think I'm a dead man walking if I don't.
2: Yeah, I think you might be. <laughs> <laughs> Still, it'll be fun. <laughs> what is your kind of
1: tipple when it comes to beers?
2: Ah, uh, yeah. See, I was about to say. Depending on what what mood I'm in, depends whether I go down the beer line or I'm quite a fan of the pims. Um, which I can't believe I'm saying out there to everyone who's listening, but um I have a PIMS buddy who quite often uh, a couple of times a year, it's particularly in the summer, I'll go around. Um yeah, we'll rather go down the pub or just chilling at home and just down lots of PIMS. Um beer wise, um normally sort of Carlsberg, Carling, that kind of thing really. So it of depends what I'm in the mood for. Occasionally Fosters. Oh dear <laughs> <laughs> Why, what's that? What's wrong with that? <laughs> the larkers. <laughs> well yeah true <laughs> um don't really drink beer then <laughs> yeah, there's um, a there's
1: a company that i um really do like and um there's a guy on another podcast or helps out on another podcast uh called he calls himself on twitter beer show jimmy and okay. um he loves this company as well they're a, um a scottish Brewery, and they're called Brewdog, and they make lots of different types of beer. Okay. Um, for the younger market, to try and get the younger generation into uh, away from your Budweisers and all that rubbish. My favourite, which is an IPA, an Indi- Indian Pale Ale. Yeah. Called a Punk. <laughs> Uh, and that's a really nice brew if, yeah. you, if you want to move from a lager into a
2: beer more into a beer that would be the one to go for really nice so forgive me for being a bit of a neanderthal on this one but what would be the difference between a beer and a lager the way it's brewed ok um,
1: a beer is brewed over a longer period of time And it's actually heated up to take in all the flavours of the different things that you've got in it. You've got more malts and stuff. So you get different flavours from the different malts. You get like a chocolate malt and a caramel malt. um, And you actually do get to taste that slightly in the beer. Then you've got like a a summer beer and you you feel some of the citrus kick come from it, which you don't get from a lager a lager or a pilsner is brewed through a cooling mechanism so okay. it, so it kills off all of that um, no. there are some good lagers out there um, uh, some people will probably t- say I'm talking boulder dash but uh, yeah one of the better lagers is the Budweiser Budavar uh, yeah. really nice Czech beer, a lot of the Czech beers are nice, but there are British beers as well. Um, and they're local, um, when I say local, they're like these micro breweries which are yeah. popping up everywhere now. Um, and there's the Meantime uh, beer, which is um, you can probably guess where that comes from.
2: Yeah,
1: it comes from Greenwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the Camden Town Brewery, which is uh, another good one. But, um, locally to you, you've got uh, the ABC, the Aylesbury Brewing Brewing Company, who are part of the Vale Brewery. Oh, right. And they have a, a brew house out the back of the hot pole. You can actually get their local, own branded, homemade beers in the back of the hot pole. You can buy it in uh, these containers. It's going to be, it's a rather odd name for a container, but a container that you get beer in is almost the same as one of the, the, you know, the four four pints milk bottle,
2: yeah, the four point ones. Yeah, um,
1: but in when you're serving beer in them, <laughs> they're called growlers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure I should growler. <laughs> so the Aylesbury Brewery um, as a random question: do they do are they? Is there actually um, like a factory? Like you know how you do like a Guinness factory tour and things like that? Is yeah, there actually believe... Aylesbury Brewery that you could? They do
1: tours. They're in Brill. They're in Brill.
2: Yeah. Ah, right. Okay. Because I'm kind of thinking of maybe doing some um, random days out with the old man at some point. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be good to know if there's. Well, I'll have to have a look into that then. You've also got the Tring Brewery as well. Okay, but that way, well, that's that's equal Hartfordshire though, isn't it? <laughs> hey, less of it, you. I'm I'm part of that crew now. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny how we switch sides <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally Oh dear Now we're bucking up to your boy and you've gone gone over to Hertfordshire. Yeah so but one, yeah.
1: it's not quite the same as, as as being part of your Hemel Massive to be honest. No
2: you mean the Emel Massive? Because <laughs> we don't pronounce that itch is not it, bruv. If you look
1: on this, this is everybody actually. If you look on the web page for the Garbage Pod um, yep. and you look under the video section if you keep looking down the lists there is the grand opening of the Brew Brewhouse there's a video on the video page um, on there about it and okay. I might actually put a link to that In the blog section of the web page. okay. Also.
3: You are listening to The Garbage Pod.
1: At the third stroke, the speaking clock will be 75 years old. But why, in an era of laptops and mobile phones, do many people still get the precise time from a recording of a well-spoken woman? You could argue that there's no real need to pick up a landline and dial 123 and hear BT's speaking clock and be charged 31p for doing so, but the service still receives 30 million calls each year, with demand peaking on four very time-sensitive days. People want to celebrate New Year at precisely the right time. They would like to double-check when the clocks have gone forward, or indeed backward and they want to ensure that they start their 2-minute silence exactly at 11am on Remembrance Day. It is also rather popular just before 5 o'clock when call centre staff are desperate to avoid picking up a 20-minute call from an irate customer. The speaking clock was created for people who didn't have a watch or clock at hand. Before 1936, people used to ring the exchange operator. And talk to a real person. The first speaking clock was accurate to within one tenth of a second.
0: At
4: the third stroke, it will be eight fifty-seven precisely.
1: And its modern equivalent is accurate to within five thousandth of a second.
5: For the third stroke, it will be two, forty-three, and twenty seconds.
1: The speaking clock is an emblem of accuracy to some people which might explain why they're still prepared to pay for it. In 1936, when the speaking clock was introduced, people were reliant on mechanical clocks. Mechanical timekeepers are reliable to a point, but they're prone to inaccuracy because they can get dirty and need considerable maintenance. The speaking clock was a way of being sure you had the correct time and the English have always had an obsession with precise timekeeping The speaking clock gets its time from the atomic clocks at the National Physical Laboratory NPL the UK's official timekeeper The clocks keep the time accurate to within one second in three million years which means the error in a day or a week is minuscule Brian Cobby
5: third stroke, the time sponsored by Accurist will be 10
4: 52 and 10 seconds.
1: The third voice of the speaking clock used to receive fan mail from people who used the service late at night just to hear his calm voice. Between 9am on the 10th of March 2003 and 12 noon on the 23rd of March 2003 Lenny Henry became only the fourth person ever to be the voice of the BT speaking clock in its 67 year history
5: At the third squeak the time for comic relief will be 9 o'clock and 50 seconds
1: (coughs) By calling 123 callers helped to raise around £200,000 for comic relief People trust the speaking clock It's something I remember from my childhood. It was the first call I ever made. Even Big Ben is timed by it.
5: everything Don't encourage him The man's a simpleton
3: You are listening to the Garbage Pod
1: What I thought I was going to do was to play in a, a track from um, a friend of the show actually okay. um, It's Laura LaRue and um, featuring a DJ called Lee Dagger.
2: So, when you say friend of the show, then how do you know her,
1: Laura? I know through another podcast, um, the one and only Richard Vobes from Vobes dot com. Yeah, now known as the Bald Explorer.
2: Sounds like he's got a lot of hair. <laughs>
1: One thing that really annoys him is a couple of times he's been mistaken for Harry Hill and he hates that. But,
2: um... I understand that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Laura uh, was on his show a few times. Um, I can't remember how Richard heard of Laura. Um, There's so many people in the podosphere that were like a close-knit family. Um, We all know each other. And... um, Yeah, Laura came up through that and um, I've been following Laura on Twitter for a while. We, We do have Twitter conversations every now and then. She hails from San Francisco. She's very Parisian chic, I suppose you can define Laura's image. Her second album is in production as we speak and she has released three singles from... Album and their first single was called San Francisco is My Disco. Yeah, and um, that did quite well in the Billboard uh, Hot 100 dance chart. Uh, the second track from that was Couton de Trois, and that oh, I think they even went, went top 10, I think, in the uh, Billboard dance chart and it, I think it even got into the Billboard chart itself not too sure. Top DJs have been using her tracks and making their own remixes of them and using them in their sets oh, wow. uh, people like David Guetta yeah. and Paul Oakenfold and people like that and there's some really good remixes out there of Undertoire now she's working with uh, Lee Dagger who is um, another top DJ and together they have released the track Capture your love, and um, here it is. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: Your love and um last uh Adri for his thoughts on it so as a sort of a review.
2: Um having listened to it, um I do quite like my dance and trance music. Um in the past, been known to buy quite a few of the ministry albums, a bit of funky house, that kind of thing as well. Um really, really good. I think she's got a really easy listening voice. Um definitely get used to that and i can see um why it would do so well commercially and um, very good tune um all round. um look forward to more from her second album yeah she's very marketable because um she has got this kind of
1: um let's say parisian chic kind of style about her she does very much sound like kylie um and kylie is going into that kind of sound also Um, and the reason for this is that the dance music scene has had to find another route to go down mainly because the R&B sect have sort of moved in on their patch if you know what I mean Um, yeah Um, if if you listen to R&B now it sounds like dance music from about five years ago They've sort of nicked that idea and gone with it. Um, so that left dance music kind of like, ah, right, where do we go from here? Yeah. <laughs> so they've had to go down this more uh, uh, with, a, with a vocalist on their tracks, and um, Laura's voice is, is amazing. Her first album was a completely different sound to this. Um, but what was she trying to do with that then? She was going down... That uh, if, if you'd listened to the first album, you would have thought that she did actually come from France. Oh, really? Yeah, um, she, she used a lot of French in the lyrics and and stuff like that. I, I don't re- know if you remember a group called Eighth Wonder from the 1980s that had Patsy Kensit and Lee vocals.
2: No, I don't know that I do. Know. Think I think it might, even for me, that might be a little bit too early. They did a. Um, a song called "I'm Not Scared," and
1: Laura's first album sounded very much like Eighth Wonder, and uh, I liked it because it had a sort of a retro '80s feel to it, and um, that's cool with me.
2: <laughs> yeah, true. Growing <laughs> up in the '80s was fun days. <laughs> Tell me about it. I oh, had some happy memories from the '80s, like '80s and '90s. Yeah, so many, yeah. So many like music. Films so original at the time and to be honest it's gonna sound like a bit of a grumble because it kind of is. I do think that way times are at the moment, it's just as you said with sort of R and B obviously trying to steal the dance sort of pattern to their music and things. It's just like do you wonder where the originality's gone? You know, sort of they seem to be few and far between these days, so
1: (laughs) The strange thing is in the nineteen eighties I used to say that you could mix all the Stockton and Walkman stuff together, yeah. Um, and you'd think it was all one song. <laughs> um, some of the R&B is starting to sound the same because somebody has a good idea, and they think right, we'll release that. And then another record company go, "Hang on a minute, that worked for them, it can work for us." So you've got four record companies all pushing out similar stuff. Don't get me wrong. There are some great R&B stuff out there, but am I only the only person in the in the whole planet that thinks that Rihanna is overrated? Uh, I
2: don't think you're the only person, uh, but I think it's more of a minority than a majority. Because, I mean. I suppose it's difficult because like Rihanna I think is really really talented but then if you were to say put Rihanna up against Lady Gaga there's no comparison because Lady Gaga is in a world of her own this the streamer, originality the voice um, like, I mean I know like, Madonna's even done it herself and kind of compared her to her sort of that kind of there is a very big comparison between Madonna yep. and Gaga what Gaga's done is
1: reinv- she reinvents herself all the time Yeah. and that is what you need to do to keep keep it fresh some of the older artists try to reinvent themselves um but i mean you can you can hear the polish in some of the stuff she does Katy perry is another one who reinvents herself every time she makes a new record yes and there is quality in her voice but Rihanna she has got a good voice don't get me wrong I don't, I'm not saying she hasn't got a good voice but the production is the same along the line until she comes up with something like a ballad and, yes. and then it's completely different and I think personally her voice is more suited towards the old school R&B
2: yeah I can see where you're coming from with that yeah definitely
1: but there you go
2: she uses her lungs to get her through a lot, shall we say? I say she uses her legs to get her through a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that too, yeah. It's all good. You your <laughs> knee bones connected to your hip bone, and uh, I will carry on that song. <laughs> I think she
1: insured her legs for a million dollars or something. Really? Yeah. So I heard.
2: Where's Tanya Harding when you need her? <laughs>
1: It's a bit far fetched to get an insurance claim,
2: though, isn't it? <laughs> pass yeah, me, pass me that her.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, whatever happened to her? eh?
1: <laughs> every time I think of her, I think of um, Weirdo Yankovic because he did a song about it.
2: Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah.
5: <laughs> He's the lovely chappie from Letchworth Garden City. Don't encourage him. This is Mark Taylor.
0: He knows.
3: you are listening to the garbage pod
1: I have got two or three things that I wanted to play in the show um, okay. before we, we go off the air now um, the, one of the things that I wanted to play in was a telephone conversation okay. that I had with my mum earlier today, and it 's all about. Something she found in a bunch of paperwork um, whilst helping out in one of the voluntary causes that she's involved in. Okay. But I'll play it in, and then you can see what it's all about.
2: Oh, nice one, yeah.
4: I went to the bank to collect the overnight bag, and there's always paperwork inside it that has to go back to the office. And inside it was a photograph of a lady and a little girl. So I asked Gina, it wasn't hers. I asked, um, who was with me, Juliana, it wasn't hers. So I went back to the bank and I said that this was in with the paperwork. She said, it's definitely yours, definitely yours. It was in your overnight bag. So I said, okay, I said, do you mind if I take it to the Bucks Herald? So she said, no, as long as, you know, if you find who it belongs to, we'll be happy. So I went to a meeting at the credit union that day and I also had the photograph with me. So I passed it all the way around the room and said to them all, does anybody know who this photograph belongs to? I said, well, we've tried everything. We went to the Bucks Herald. They were very interested.
1: So what was so special about this photograph?
4: The photograph was of a little girl with her mummy and they were sitting in a garden and on the back was stamped the name of a prisoner of war camp. Now, one minute. I'm just going to get the paper cut All right, on the back was stamped by the Germans, Stalag XX1D, and then it's GEPRUF for Freddy T, 5, meaning prisoner of war camp 21D approved right okay so that meant that the, the Germans would allow the picture in to be given to the prisoner of war because the man was a prisoner of war right? as we found out afterwards the little girl's the little girl was his prisoner of war's daughter it the, the um bucks herald found all this out and also they told said about um that the um following the invasion of poland in 1939 Wolf Waterlager in Poznan became the administrative center of German forces, which saw some of Poznan's 18th century forts used as prison camps and concentration camps. Within these, there were a collection of forts along with labor camp locations in the surrounding countryside used to hold prisoners of war, which collectively formed Stalag, XX1-D and accommodated more than 3,000 prisoners in total. So this man had this photograph of his wife and his little girl. Um, he came back came back after the war and he settled in South Court in Aylesbury. And she had she the lady had had it in her purse all them years. Right? Yeah. Or in a special wallet in her bag all these years. hmm She missed she didn't know she'd lost it, but she lost it. And then when the item went into the Bucks Herald this week, Edie Sale, she works for the credit union at South Court. She read the article, didn't think too much of it. Her sister looked at it and said, that's our Edie and our mum. She got in touch with the Bucks Herald and she said, I know who that lady is. She's my mum and the little girl is my sister. And her other sister read the Bucks Herald on Wednesday. And she also phoned the Bucks Herald and said, that is my sister and my mum. And they got in touch with Edie. She looked in their bag and no photograph. So she got in touch with the Bucks Herald and she said, that photograph is me and my mum. So the Bucks Herald said, oh, could we do an article on it? So they've just done this thing about her dad being a prisoner, of taken prisoner of war in 1940. And, you know, the photograph was, with him all the time and then he came home and and she's had the thing in her possession all that time until it got lost and she said she must have got her bag out of the credit union and it must have fallen out and when they did their stuff to hand to me so that I could bank it and send some to the office and some to the bank because that's what I have to do um i I just said, oh, well, that's their takings, you know, and I just banked it, because that was in between all the notes. All right. right. So, so then the... last Thursday, she came down the credit unit, she said, was it you who found the photograph there? So I said, yes. So she said, that was me and my mum.
1: So at least the photograph was back in its rightful place now.
4: Well, as I said to the Bucks Herald, I said, if it had been me, you know, and I'd lost a thing like that, knowing that that was a German prisoner of war stamp on the back, Uh, that would have been very precious to me, and that's why I wanted to make sure that the Bucks Herald, if they could print a picture, and they did better than that, they found out where the prisoner of war camp was and the name of it and everything.
1: That's what journalists do.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
4: So it was virtually, if we get room for it, we'll put it in, you see. All right. But
1: yes, they did. That's great.
3: You are listening to The Garbage Pod.
1: Hello. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I believe I believe my antivirus has been updated. Yeah, it certainly isn't that way. <laughs> I forgot to turn the voice off. Well played. Uh, well played. <laughs> right. Um we've got another piece to play into the show. Okay. And um this piece is actually from the, um, the local BBC radio, um, BBC Three Counties. Obviously, that's yeah. from Buckinghamshire as well.
2: Yeah, uh,
1: That's right. And there's a a guy who lives in Letchworth, and he's got a collection of, I wouldn't call it memorabilia, but, um... Artifacts I would have thought would be the best thing to use. Uh, he is an amateur historian. And he has got these artifacts from an old mental asylum. Right. A Victorian mental asylum, which is... The building's still there. It's a Bannertines gym and stuff. But... Um, yeah, he wants to try and make, or uh, he wants to try and build a museum dedicated to the Fairfields' asylum. And there's lots of stories behind what happened behind those walls, as you can probably guess. In a yes. in a Victorian mental asylum. Yeah. Um, many a kid from this neck of the woods was scared. Witless by stories (laughs) about the goings on in this um, asylum. And he is asking people if they have any artifacts to donate them to him, and he'll give you a credit in the museum once he gets it up and running. Um, and he sounds a really interesting guy to talk to and um, as I say BBC Three Counties did a piece on him and I just wanted to play that in um, because he does really sound um, an interesting guy Three Counties Radio
2: A man from Letchworth is collecting memorabilia in an appeal to create a museum dedicated to the three counties' asylum in Fairfield. Richard Knight is an amateur historian who's been collecting medicine bottles, ward curtains, padlocks, ward signs, radio jingles, and anything he can get his hands on. His plan is to create the museum and keep the memory of the asylum and Fairfield Hospital alive. Well, our reporter Jenna Benson went to meet Richard and find out how his obsession started.
0: (laughs)
6: Well, it all started out with this bottle. It's got the 3 of asylum crest on it. And they were really popular with the kids of the day because they were sealed by that marble that you can hear rattling in the neck. And then when I looked into the history of why these bottles existed, it was quite fascinating, really. It was because there was a, a large outbreak of typhoid at the hospital. And many patients died, and so did few of the staff. So the staff refused to drink the tap water because it was a tap water that was contaminated. So they said, well, we're not drinking that, and if we can't have a drink at work, then, well, the lunatics would take over the asylum, wouldn't they? From the outside, you would see it as still the same. You know, if if an ex-patient who hadn't been there for maybe 20 years turned up, it looks exactly the same. It's a prime example of a Victorian asylum. It's one of the only ones left. When I lived um, as a child in Western Way, just around the corner from where we are now, my landing window looked across the fields, so I could always see it, and at night it would be lit up, you know. We was always cutting through there because we'd go fishing to the Islesy Pits, so you'd cut straight, straight through the hospital. And it's always been so full of rumours, you know, well, don't go up there after dark, or they'll get you, all that kind of thing. And as a child, it plays on your mind. But it wasn't till. Really, the place was shutting down, and I was obviously a lot older. I thought I'd go for a wander around. And they'd started to sort of redo all the brickwork, so it was all coming back to new. You could see all the red bricks mixed in with the Aussie white bricks, and it did look really nice. They had their own brewery up there, because the patients used to be allowed to have a beer and a tobacco allowance every day. And they had their own brewery, so they'd manufacture all their own beer. But uh, the brewer mysteriously got drowned in the vat of beer... So there's all kinds of stories like that. Someone showed me not so long ago uh, a picture of a two-headed cow that was born up there. So there's so many stories, both good and bad. It's all part of the history. It's all part of Three Counties Asylum. But a lot of them say that the old residents, they haven't left yet. They're still there. (laughs)
3: In front of us, we've got loads of memorabilia that you've collected. We've got locks, keys, lots of different medicine bottles, three counties hospital, nurses' prize-giving leaflets. We've even got ward curtains and also a bed sheet, which isn't very soft at all. <laughs> no. Now, all of this stuff you've collected because you're, you're hoping that you're going to be able to create a museum eventually.
6: Yeah, eventually. That, that is our goal, to one day have a proper museum.
3: Let's have a look at this this lock. It's absolutely huge. It's not just a a normal padlock. It's bigger than my hand.
6: Those are the two padlocks from the male and the female airing courts because they wouldn't allow them to mix.
3: You've managed to get hold of some of the, the keys for these padlocks as well. But where did you get all these things
6: from? People's goodwill, really. They sort of like what we're doing. And they say, well, we've got these things sort of sitting at home. We're not going to do anything with them. You might as well have them. That's uh, an actual page from the London Illustrated News of July 1860. It made such news, this big asylum opening, that they actually run a, a page, well, half a page on it, with the earliest known picture of the asylum.
3: You've also got a certificate in a frame here that says Three Counties Hospital.
6: Yeah, that's actually a cheque. That, I think, is the one from, the, from Letchworth Garden City, who supplied them with uh, electricity.
3: And in uh, the frame next to it, you've got a, a letter that says, uh, Asylum, Arlesey, Three Counties Asylum, and it's a letter to somebody kind of describing themselves as as if it was a a Lonely Hearts ad reply.
6: That's right, yeah, even in those days, we we tend to think of that being a modern thing, don't we? You know, people getting dates out of papers or writing to people through Lonely Hearts, but it was happening then. I mean, that's dated the 12th of September, 1896.
5: I am very good looking with nut-brown hair light-heavy moustache, ruddy complexion, and I am 5
6: foot 5 inches. He was actually an attendant in the hospital, and then something obviously happened, and he then became a patient because he was on M9 ward, and he was, um, he's actually put himself down as a late attendant. I am a cornet player and also a good bugler. So that's going to win her over, isn't it? <laughs>
2: Fantastic stuff there. It's BBC Three Counties Radio for Beds Huntsburg. Jenna Benson reporting there on the Three Counties Asylum.
1: Now, I have obtained his email address and I'm going to attempt to get in touch with him. Yeah. And um, not only would it be interesting to find out about the history of that place, um, the history of the Garden City itself. Uh, would be an interesting uh, thing to, to learn about because mm. me being a newcomer to the place, I don't know a lot about it. And um, I'm always being asked, what is a garden city? And it's very difficult for me to actually tell people. So it would be good to speak to somebody who has the knowledge.
2: Yeah, and, um it. There's two possible reasons I can think of for it and one's really stupid and it's because it's a city built around a garden and the other might be something to do with the green belts maybe it's built on or something. Kind They're of,
1: at- kind of. Um, a- the garden city um, is not a city. It's um, it's a bit like Milton Keynes. It's not a city. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah,
2: very, very big town.
1: Yeah, um... The the original concept was actually built from three villages. The village of Letchworth, the village of Norton, and the village of Willian. And the the way that these villages were together, they they were sort of... um, You can imagine... um, You know the old-style magnets, the horseshoe-shaped ones? Imagine the, the two points... Facing each other, Uh so you had so it kind of looks like the way they were spread out like a, a propeller. Uh, yes, the three yeah. blades like that, but in horseshoe shape. That's how the villages were were, and actually one of the only pubs in in Letchworth is actually called the Three Magnets for that reason. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> We haven't got very many pubs in Letchworth, and the reason for that is until 1961, actually in the town itself, Letchworth was dry. Really? Because it was a Quaker town.
2: Uh, okay.
1: Until 1961, and then the Broadway Hotel opened up a, a bar in there. Um, they did have a pub. It just didn't sell beer or alcohol of any description. It was called the Skittles. Right. Um, they sold, so, sold things like sarsaparilla and Dandelion, uh, dandy lock and dandy dandy lock dandy and bird dog. <laughs> with you, dandy dandy lock and, and and bird lion that that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Dan, bird,
2: yeah, I know the stuff. <laughs> good stuff actually
1: (laughs) and we've just had one of our pubs on on, not this estate but on another estate called The the Grange Um, it's just had their pub closed down Um, and it's going to become a Tesco's Express of all things but uh, there's not a single estate in Letchworth that actually has a pub on it You have to go into town if you want to get a drink.
2: Oh wow! Okay, that kind of that might be a good thing.
1: The pub that closed down is a pub called the Pelican, and uh, to describe it to you, and this won't mean a thing to anyone unless you come from Halesbury, (laughs) kind of like the Kennedy
2: oh yeah okay yeah that's the one over um, meadowcroft isn't it yeah
1: yeah uh, or the duck or what used to be the bucks yeoman which is now houses i think
2: hang on the yeoman that's the one at bedgrove, isn't
1: bedgrove yeah i think that's been knocked down
2: fella i don't think so you know uh, another duck has uh no i think the yeoman's still there because um when i come back from hemel on a sunday it always goes through bedgrove
1: where is it so i'm I pretty sure it's been, still there i thought it'd been knocked down Oh, okay. Anyway, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit horse, like that bit like
2: a hungry horse or something, so Yeah, yeah
1: that kind of that kind of thing. Um, yeah. and that's what it was like and it's no more. Um but it is um it's had a few name changes, a bit like the um the skinny dog as it was the uh, you know, the greyhound. Going oh, towards Southcourt going towards Southcourt, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, just on um what do you call it, Churchill Avenue, just it. As you, um just as you come off um from oxford road yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah because that's now the islamic center, yeah, the, isn't the, it? the
1: muslim learning center that's the one yeah. seems ironic having a, a a learning center for the islamic community in an old pub
2: uh, yeah <laughs> it's uh it's got irony written all over it <laughs> <laughs> but um
1: yeah because that was called the priory for a little while Oh, was it? Which is a great name for a pub, also, because it makes me feel, think of a rehab centre. Exactly <laughs> right. um, but, yes, yeah, so that's changed names a few times. Now, um, the Garden City was invented by a guy called Ebenezer Howard.
2: Ebenezer, that's a good old fashioned name.
1: <laughs> and um, th- he was a Quaker. So therefore, the, the Garden City was a Quaker town. So he wasn't a baker or a candlestick maker? No, just a Quaker. He used to yeah. make porridge oats. And... Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> he. Um, there's a lot of places named after him <clears throat> in Letchworth. Um, Howard Gardens, Howard Park, Mrs. Howard, Memor- 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 Memorial Hall, get it right. Yeah. So I always have problems with memorial. <clears throat> Those kind of places. Now, somebody in their ultimate wisdom decided to rename this pub Ebenezer's. Now, this went down like a lead balloon. Think about it. The man was a Quaker. Didn't believe in drinking alcohol and they named a pub after him.
2: Well played.
1: (laughs) 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 So that got changed to the Pelican. I have no idea what the resemblance to uh, Letchworth and pelicans are I've never seen a pelican but I've been walking into town ever <laughs> <laughs>
5: Now, we've got an email from Mark Taylor I'm coming up to a little bit later on in the show about the Olympic Games. I've got to sort of uh, prepare myself because he wants to pick foul with me. (laughs) Mark Taylor, he says that I am an evil man for not liking the Olympics. Why? Hmm? Why? Your remarks about the Olympics and Olympians in particular made me a little disgruntled. Mark Taylor. Mark
0: (laughs) Taylor.
5: There are things, however, that annoy me about the Olympics. Oh, well, that's an Olympic sport. That's an Olympic sport. That's an Olympic sport. But that isn't. And that isn't. Rolling cheeses down a hill, bog snorkeling... (laughs) Darts, although, no, they are not allowed in. But only these things are allowed in. Let me answer that one then, Mark Taylor. When you talk about these athletes, remember, most of them are like you, following their ambition in life. This is the sporting equivalent of Elton John taking part in the Britain's Got Talent or X Factor. Well, I don't know. Elton John taking part in the X Factor might get voted off. Especially when he's blowing a candle in the wind. <laughs> they would run around in woolly hats and scarves and and blinking monkey boots Mark Taylor
1: Thanks for listening to The Garbage Pod and um, hopefully you'll come back and join us again and don't forget folks The Garbage Pod is where your input is our output Take care and I'll speak to you again soon
3: The Garbage Pod is a Spamhead production.